I was in a bunch of insulation and drywall dust yesterday, so my throat's not doing well. Hang in there. Is it ever doing well? <laughs> not a problem. Uh, take your Bible. Our next passage is in Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. Hope you have your copy of God's Word there. It's a short passage, but uh, we have a lot that we can say uh, on that. All right, let me begin this way. Is my mic working? Yeah, okay, all right. So can't tell from up here what's going on. Well, I find it personally interesting that even unbelievers, and by that I mean non-Christians, will sometimes insist that their children uh, be dropped off for Sunday school. And there's churches all over, the, all over the world and all over the United States where there's a lot of kids that get dropped off for Sunday school and church every Sunday morning. Uh, they also get dropped off at Awana, youth groups, and maybe even uh, churches where they uh, have themselves no desire to be as parents. In other words, they drop them off at church, they leave them there, say, I'll be back after church to come and get you. Uh, but they have really no desire at all to go into Sunday school themselves. They don't have any involvement with church or a religious organization. And they don't have any desire to be a part of a religious organization. It appears to me uh, that they want, and I had to guess at this because I don't know, but that they, they want kids to get, if you will, inoculated with Jesus so they can grow up and maybe have all that behind them. Do it when you're young because you're going to be busy when you're old. You won't have time for Jesus. I, I don't know if that's the reason or not. Maybe there's others. But uh, they can say, well, that's good enough. You made it through, you don't want it, or you made it through this or that. That's good enough. We can be done with church. Now, I, I didn't say, and I don't want you to hear what I didn't say. Uh, I didn't say that I don't want those kids here. I do. It's fantastic. I, I sometimes just can't believe how people that don't believe in God and don't believe that church is important will bring their kids here to church and let them, let them come or other churches and let them come and hear about the word of God. It's just amazing to me. So I didn't say I don't want those kids there. I'm thrilled that they get to come and I hope they all keep coming. Uh, but mom and dad need to be here too. The kids' moms and dads, they need to be here too. And there are parents who simply will not allow their kids to have any input from any Christian religion. And I'm sure that happens in other religions and stuff, but I don't care about those. I care about uh, Christianity. And I'm sure that uh, those kids uh, are getting input when they come to our church, especially with uh, programs that are designed for them, like Children's Church and Awana. Uh, they, they get it. Uh, years and years ago, as a matter of fact, I, I wrote this uh, sermon about 27 weeks ago. That's important for you to know because I'm going to say some things that seem rather appropriate for today, right? So don't think I just did it this week because of something that happened. I didn't. But there was a little girl and a little boy that lived a catty corner across the street from us years ago. I called her and I asked her, actually I texted her and I said, I want to share about uh, this issue with, with my congregation. What do you think? And she said, absolutely. Well, anyway, a little boy and a little girl and uh, the, the way I know about this is that years ago, she was here for an Easter service, sitting right over there somewhere, and uh, just, you know, things kind of normal, and I gave her the gospel to everybody, and she uh, left with, uh, I think, some other people, I don't know if they're relatives or what, but she left, and uh, she's an adult woman, yeah, I know, I guess I know who it was, but anyway, adult woman, and she left, and about two weeks later, I get a call from her, and you can tell 
on this phone call, she's scared to death to talk to me. <laughs> you know, what's going on? What happened? And uh, she says, is it okay if I talk with you? I said, well, of course you can talk to me. I, you know, I don't wear a sign that says you can't talk to me or do not disturb. You can talk to me. And so she did. And she said, uh, you remember that Easter service? Yeah, I remember that. She said, I trusted Christ as my Savior. During that invitation, I'm sorry, my throat's having a bad time. During that invitation, and I uh, made Jesus my Savior. I just wanted you to know that. And I said, that's fantastic. And then she told me this story about when she was little. And I, you know, we knew her when she was little because she lived right across the street. And uh, it's a beautiful story, so I'm a little choked up. But uh, anyway, she said, you know, my brother and I would watch you and Noel go to church. And I always wondered, how come you didn't pick us up? Why, why, you know, we live right across the street. Why didn't you say, hey, would you like to go to church? And she said, I thought about that a long time. And she said, I finally have come to understand that you didn't share, you didn't ask us to go because you wanted it to be our decision. And you wanted us to make up our mind whether we should be here. And I said, well, that's a noble thought. But that's not what happened. <laughs> and uh, I told her that means a lot to me. I told her, you know, we did go, Noelle and I, we went over and we asked your mom uh, and your, uh, well, just your mom there, said, we'd like to take your kids to church. And your mom said, no way. So I didn't take you to church because your mom wouldn't let us. Well, it turned out okay in the end. She came to know Jesus as her Savior. Uh, but it was in our hearts to want to do that and to get that little girl into church and her brother. But it didn't happen. But Jesus made sure one Sunday on an Easter when they were visiting from out of town, they were able to hear the gospel and she trusted Christ as her Savior. Her husband came to Christ in his garage uh, lifting weights or working on something, listening to a radio program later on. Well, that's why we didn't pick her up. It's not because we didn't want to. Have you ever had children in your block that you wanted to take uh, to church and mom dad wouldn't let it happen? Or at least why don't you bring your kids to church and drop them off and we'll take care of them for Jesus? Well, there are parents that don't give permission to their kids to know about Jesus. And uh, I think there's going to be something to pay for in heaven because of that. So the fact of the matter is that people today are still permitting and not permitting their children to come to Jesus. Everybody in this room permitted and has is permitting their kids to come to Jesus to learn about him and to know about him. And that's the way it ought to be. Now the text is short, but it's uh, packed with some good things for us. So let's look at it in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. It says this, <clears throat> Then some children were brought to him. So somebody made up their mind, somebody made a decision, I'm going to take these kids, I'm going to take them to Jesus. I'm going to ask Jesus to pray for them. And so there was a bunch of parents that must have done that, or a mom or a dad, and some children were brought to him, and here's the reason, so that... He might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Can you imagine? 
uh, we don't think of kids the way they think of the thought of kids in those days. Uh, when those days it was more or less they are to be seen but not heard. That's what kids are. And today um, they might be, they're heard all right. They might be heard a little too much, but we've overcompensated maybe a little bit the other way. But they didn't uh, think kids were important at all. And so they wanted Jesus to lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked these kids. We'll talk about what kind of rebuke that was. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven, so the reason he wants them to come, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like this or such as these, like these little kids. So he, they obviously allowed the kids to come. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. He left and went on about his ministry. So I want to submit to you that uh, they were taking a little break here after we get done with things that, like in, in verse 12. And we're headed out to do ministry. And so then all these kids show up with maybe their parents. And Jesus said, let them come and talk to me. I'm going to take time out of my busy ministry, which apparently to you guys means only to adults and important people. But I'm going to take time out for these kids. All right, let's uh, boil this down a little bit and have uh, a look at what Jesus would have for us here. So if you're in your bulletin, point number one is people should not forbid children from obtaining a blessing from Jesus. We should not permit uh, anything to get in the way of children receiving a blessing from Jesus Christ. So if we're keeping our kids at home or keeping them away from church or away from God or away from religion, whatever our excuse is, uh, there will be people that have to answer for that someday. Well, what did these parents want for their kids from the rabbi in the first place? Well, they wanted a holy man, they would say in those days, a representative of their God, a man who was known as a man of God to lay his hands on their child and pray. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And he was to ask for a blessing and the favor of God on those little kids. That's what they wanted. And uh, this was requested to be in the form of a traditional Jewish blessing that they all knew. So they would go to the high priest if they could get to him. They would go to one of the priests at the sanctuary or in a local synagogue when they had a baby. And they would say, would you please lay your hands on this child as a representative of God and ask that God's favor would follow them or go ahead of them, however the prayer went. And the laying on of hands with a prayer was a standard form of a Jewish blessing, and they wanted it for their kids. It is a way to ask God to place his favor on someone. And I think all of us would say, as Christians, we want that for our kids. We want that to happen. It's the same thing uh, that we trust will, we will gain by the dedication of children to Jesus Christ. We don't baptize infants because it's not biblical. Uh, we dedicate those infants to Christ. The parents let me pray for them. I'm asking for God's favor. I'm asking that God would walk with them and go ahead of them. And we're asking for a blessing from God. They're doing it publicly so that people can understand this is important to them. So we do something a little bit like this, but it's not exactly the, uh, the Jewish method all the way. Well, the problem is, is that the disciples of the Lord believed that, the, that Rabbi Jesus was a little too important of a person to be bothered by kids. And they didn't ask Jesus about that. They just made up their mind, hey, this is an important guy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's going to be the king of Israel. He can't be spending his time, wasting his time with a bunch of kids and, you know, kissing babies and praying for them. 
And uh, so they don't want those kids to bother Jesus Christ. And they don't want Jesus bothered by little kids. They mean something like, you know, he's got a real important adult ministry here, people. He's got to get it done. No time for children. Move along. Well, in that society, the sad truth is that uh, they were not, kids were not rated very highly at all in the social importance scale. They were very low status as dependents who had to trust in adults to provide everything for them that they needed. They, they literally were to be seen and not heard. Well, how could you let this group of kids go and, and bother the Messiah? So the disciples rebuked either the children or their parents or both of them. And the word rebuke here is to censure somebody or to speak seriously, or the word could even be to give a warning in effect. Their goal was to stop the kids from bothering or coming to Jesus. That's their goal, for whatever reason that that they haven't stated. We need to know that there are things that they should not let kids get involved in in those days, and things that they should let their kids get involved in. Just like today, there's things you don't let your kids get involved in, and there's things you do let them get involved in, but not letting them get involved in Jesus is the wrong way to go. Jesus is not one of those things you don't want your kids to be involved with. The fact that Jesus rebuked the disciples teaches us that Jesus is perfectly fine. In fact, he is welcoming to the children. Dr. Craig Blomberg said this, Ceremonial expressions of the value of our children are also most appropriate. As with infant dedications or with some form of spoken blessing in conjunction with Uh, the distribution of the Lord's Supper, which children should otherwise avoid actually celebrating until making their own professions of faith in Christ. So we encourage, if you have kids that haven't trusted Jesus as Savior, they're not old enough, they don't understand, uh, don't let them take communion. If they understand they've trusted Christ, let them take communion. Uh, But there are some things you allow and some things you don't allow. But certainly being around Jesus is never something that we should not allow. Verse 14, but Jesus said, let the children alone. Do not, do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So our second point, verse 14, is this. Jesus rebukes the disciples for hindering the children, noting that the kingdom of heaven is made up of, and I'll say it, of people like them. So you have to ask yourself, what's a kid? What's a child? What are they like? Jesus says it's people like them that uh, inherit the kingdom of God. So first off, let's understand that uh, there are children and adults in heaven. That should tell us something. Children and adults in heaven. Now, this doesn't teach that you have to be a child to go to heaven. Like if you get to age 18, the age of majority, you, and you haven't trusted Christ, then you don't get to go. No, that's not what it says at all says you have to be like a child. How does a child approach Jesus? Well, with faith, with belief that he is who he says he is, without doubt. Jesus rebukes the disciples for their behavior and commands them to allow the children to be able to come to him. Allow them and do not hinder them, is what he says. Do not hinder means stop standing in the way of their access to Jesus. 
I know people that uh, on Sunday morning make plans to take their children somewhere so that their spouse doesn't get them into church. And if they leave them at home, the spouse is going to drag them to church. They're just not going to do it. So they, they keep them away from it. The Bible says don't forbid them or prevent them. You want to get them around Jesus, not away from Jesus. Listen, aren't there a multitude of ways that people can and do hinder children from gaining access to Jesus? And the answer, of course, is yes. One of those would be, I'm too busy for Sunday school and I'm too busy for church. Our family is always on the go, so we just can't, you know, get there. It seems that the disciples have forgotten to apply what Jesus taught back in chapter 18, verses 1 to 4, where he says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why do they want to know that? Because they've been talking about it everywhere they go. They're hanging back behind Jesus and say, Hey, who do you suppose, uh, can you hear us? Who, who do you suppose is the most important? I think it's me. Yeah. Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself, and he set him before them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The whole point is, especially looking at verse 1, is that pride bars the entrance to heaven. Pride will bar an entrance to heaven. How did the child come that Jesus sat in their midst? He came humbly. Whoever then humbles himself as his child, he is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A humble child has nothing to offer Jesus, has nothing to give him for salvation, has nothing that that little child can do to earn their way into heaven. They come humbly and they come in faith. So don't cause these kids to stumble. Don't cause them to run away from Jesus. Children do not deter us. Children do not move us away from important matters. They are important matters. I need you to think of what I'm saying this morning in terms of spiritual things. They matter spiritually. They are there for spiritual things and spiritual input. Children uh, are not to deter, they're not a deterrence from important matters. They are important matters, unless you let your kids and their schedules uh, make it so you can't be uh, a regular church goer or a regular Bible study goer, then it is a problem. Children do not deter us from important matters. They are important matters, and I mean it in that, se in that sense. Here is, why they should be divert here, here is why they should not be diverted away from Jesus. It is because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these or people like this, out of the, con out of the context of our verse. Two things. One is the fact that children can trust Jesus and be saved. I made that decision when I was eight years old. I've met people that have done it as early as four or five. And so children can do that. Number two, the childlike faith of a little person is the type of faith that one must exhibit in order to be saved by it, and that's called humility, plus our trust. A childlike faith is unassuming. It is pure. It is trusting and not doubting. And so when the Lord says, such as these... Uh, it says of this word that is translated such as these in the Greek text, and this is out of the uh, Greek dictionary, it says it is used of persons, such, meaning such a person, either in such a way that a, definite, that a definite individual with special characteristics is thought of, or that any bearer of certain definite qualities is meant. And I think uh, that word here means both of those. 
See, the reason found by virtue of the events of this verse is that Jesus likes children and wants them also to be a part of his kingdom. Jesus likes kids. That's a good reason for us to like them as well. Dr. Turner adds this, and I quote, those asking for a blessing are not to be treated like unwelcome intruders. You ever been too busy for a child? When you shouldn't have been? When you meet them in the hallway, are you too busy to recognize them? Too busy to take your time for them if they need time? Those asking for a blessing are not to be treated like unwelcome intruders. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to sing, and this morning when I got up to my Sunday school room, Becky was in the uh, other room playing Jesus Loves Me. And then she played some others about, about kids. I used to sing that when I was a little kid. Uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We used to sing red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. All the little children of the world. My mother taught me this song in Navajo. And now I'm going to sing it for you. <laughs> I can't remember all the words in Navajo. I got some of them. Jesus, I oshone. Jesus, I oshone. And then it sounded like lasagna shechachnech. But... Um, I sang it, you know, at the top of my voice because we're supposed to. Sunday, Sunday school meant a lot to me. Um, I, I hope it does to our kids. If I am a child, I can say I am a treasured guest at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is the king of the earth. Dr. Blomberg notes, while powerful Pharisees are rebuffed, helpless children were embraced. Now verse 15, and then I'm going to get into some, uh, what we used to call in the Baptist church, meddling. If you don't know what that is, that's good, you won't leave. Verse 15 says this, uh, or uh, sorry, the point in the bulletin is this, Jesus blessed the children, and then he went on with his ministry, which by the way, in the future, also included children. You know, as a child, I was thinking about this when I wrote this, I don't remember any time in my life, really, ever having a pastor who loved me or said he did and paid attention to me in a good way, meaning, how you doing? What's going on with you? How's school? How's this? How's that? I did get attention paid to me in a way that I just did not like at all, and that's when I'd walk out of church, and my dad always had us have butch haircuts, and uh, he did that while everybody else's hair was down to the middle of their back. Dad gave us a butch, I guess, to learn to stand up for ourselves. But anyway, you'd walk out of church. I, my hair had grown out probably about that much anyway. You walk out of church, and the pastor, as you're going by, does that to your head. You know, whatever hair you had messes it up. And I remember very distinctly one day my dad wanted to put some Vitalis in my hair. And I had a good thought. <laughs> I thought, let's see the pastor rub my head today. And it worked perfectly. Now, I'm talking about Vitalis that is greasy and oily, not the new stuff. It's just like smearing oil in your hair and made stuff stay. I mean, it was oily. I'll never forget, I walked out and he went. <laughs> then he couldn't shake hands with any of the rest of the congregation. He said, I'll teach you to rub my head, mister. I need to remember to repent of that. But anyway, um, I, I don't think that ever happened, that a, a pastor ever said he loved me or... 
Jesus took time to lay his hands on the children, pray for each one, to ask his, his father, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit too, to set his love or favor on that little boy or girl. What a wonderful event it must have been for the Lord of glory. Even though these people didn't recognize totally who Jesus was, to pray for them. Do you think the Father listened to those prayers? Mm. It is obvious that he had plans to go somewhere before the kids came. He didn't proceed until this ministry with them was completed, recognized that, and the children were cared for and immersed in the gracious favor of God Almighty. Now I'm going to ask some questions, okay? We've got 10 minutes, good. My point number four is this. Let us ask, all right? How am I doing with the children? How are we doing with the children? I'd like this to be both individual and as a church. Now, children are not our only ministry, but today it's about children. I want you to recognize that at least. But they're a huge part of our ministry. So, first of all, ask yourself, who is it today in our society that has time for our kids? And the answer is that many people who do not share our values or beliefs have targeted them, and they are after them. In whatever avenue in society they can get to our kids, they are, they are busting down the doors to get to them. And you don't want them to have say in your child's life. If you're not taking care of your children, spiritually especially, somebody from Satan's side will. And that's what parents are called to do. Watch out for that. Why are our kids so important to these people? Easy. It's because those kids will make up the structure of the future of society. And if you have kids that have been turned away from God, away from his values, away from his love, to the way the world supposedly loves, and its perversion, its crookedness, then they're easier to control. That's why. They know that. But so do we know that. So do we. And so we want to keep our kids close to Jesus in every way that we can. Secondly, do I as a parent have something to offer children in the spiritual area of life? Do we as a church? I listen to parents say, well, we don't have time to go to church. It's not really that important. And all you did was just tell me that you don't have anything in your life that's worth passing on spiritually to your kids. And that's a shame. That's terrible. We do have something to pass on, something of great value, something of great importance, and we're going to pass it on at home and at church. Thirdly, are we seeking God's blessing for our children? Uh, I, I love it when our young couples do baby dedications. I love it when they teach children's church. And uh, I looked at the, the list out there of children, people volunteering for children's church. I wrote this 27 weeks ago, so don't accuse me of just putting this in today. It's right in my notes. I can get proof of that, okay? But it says here, baby dedications and teach children's church. You like children's church. You like your kids to go, but are you willing to step out and teach it? we got a lot of blanks out there on that, on that list. Why not step out and teach it? Why not, you know, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and say, hey, these kids are important. Fourthly, 
Um, that's as personal and convicting as I may get, okay? Uh, fourthly, am I doing anything that is actually preventing them from coming to Jesus? Let me give you some ideas. What kind of a model am I? Or what are my priorities? What do my kids look at and say, oh, I know what your priority is. It's not Jesus. I know what your priority is. It's money. I know what priority is. It's your own selfishness. What is our priority? What am I modeling? Whom do I honor most in my life? Do I obey, obey my Lord or just say that I do? Do I take time for the children to show them that they're important and that they're important to Jesus? Since we are in a war for their hearts with the enemy, am I engaged? Kids believe more what they see you do than what you do. What am I doing? Well, I have to ask that. Number five, do we pray for these little ones every day? Do we pray with them? Um, if they're doing what they're supposed to, I have no reason to believe they're not. But I know four people, I'm sorry, five people, six, seven people. I've got three of each, okay. I have three deacons and three deaconesses and myself. And uh, two of those people are praying for you and your kids every day. Do you want other people praying for your kids more than you? No. So you have to beat that. And if you don't have kids at home, pray for your grandkids. Pray for your other kids too. Number six, do we use God, oh, yeah, this one bugs me. Do we use God as a disciplinary weapon against the kids? Have you become legalistic? Have you weaponized Jesus to guilt your kids into doing right things? Uh, I cringe when I hear those kinds of things. Um, is Jesus our paddleboard? Let me give you an illustration. Do we say to our kids things like, what do you think Jesus thinks of you when you act that way? <laughs> I want to go to the parents, I'll tell you what he thinks of. He thinks they're forgiven and he loves them. What are you thinking? Or what if they say, you really hurt Jesus' heart when you did that? That's spiritual abuse, my friends. What about mom and dad? You just heard his heart saying that. Keep Jesus out of it. I remember telling a young Mennonite couple who were using Jesus to guilt their kids and to beat their kids over the head to get them to do right and using the Bible to get them to do right. And I said, this has to stop. That's spiritual abuse. You're speaking maybe a truth but without love or love without truth or using the Bible to beat him over the head. I said, let's just leave Jesus out of it. Let's stop weaponizing Jesus. Now, that was a severe case, but even in a not severe case, well, let's, let's not do that. If you want to discipline your kid, you do it, and you tell them why you're doing it and what you're doing and leave Jesus out of it. They'll pick up on Jesus on their own. You are not their Holy Spirit. If they need convicted, let Jesus convict them. Now, that's my advice, and that's uh, kind of uh, my one of my personal pet peeves. Stop weaponizing Jesus. And that couple left here, and they stopped it. And the kids are doing much better with Jesus, believe it or not. So Jesus isn't this guy up in heaven that's going to smash you every time you're out of line a little bit. He's going He may discipline you, but he'll love you. And so uh, keep it between you and them, and they'll pick it up about the Lord. Do I believe Psalm 127, 3 to 5? 
that's another thing I have here. Um, getting a little preachy and my time's running out. Psalm 127. Oh no, I got stuck in 119. Takes a while to get out of that. Behold, verse 3, children are a gift from Yahweh. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Children are a gift from the Lord. If I don't love them, tell me why Jesus should. If Jesus loves them, why shouldn't I? I should. Do I love the children as much as Jesus loves them as a parent? Do I connect with their hearts for the sake of Jesus and their walk with him? Number nine, am I convinced that everyone is important to the kingdom, even kids? Number ten, do I weave Jesus into their training uh, by me about life? Do I teach them constantly his truth and his will? Uh, do I do that with grace? Do I do it without spiritually abusing them? Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9 talks about this, how we're supposed to do that. Jesus says, in terms of the statutes and commandments of God, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontals on your foreheads. In other words, everything in the home, everything in my life, I've got to have have it relate to Jesus somehow. I have to have it relate to their walk with Jesus somehow. And I need to model that because if I don't model loving them, what are, they gonna, what are you going to think uh, Jesus is going to look like to them? See, mom ought to be able to say when her kids ask, what is God like? She ought to be able to say, he's like your dad. Wow, talk about some pressure. Well, let's get with it. Number 11, do I discipline them in a God-honoring way so that I, am, that I am not part of their deaths? We're learning this in our Proverbs study as well. If parents do not discipline their child, Solomon said by the Spirit of God, they don't love their child. And they, if they don't discipline their child, the Bible in Proverbs says they can be a part of what kills them. The book of Proverbs is to, supposed to take a, a youth that's naive about life, because they're youth, and give them wisdom of the ancients, okay? Wisdom of old men and old women who've walked with God all of their life. Give them that wisdom, and then if they apply that wisdom, they won't do something foolish enough to kill themselves like getting drunk and driving into a tree head on. Or like taking some drugs they shouldn't have taken and end up dying. If you're disciplining your kids, you are trying to keep them away from killing themselves with the stupidity of the world. If you're disciplining them, you love them, and you're trying to save their life. This world kills people. Number 12, if you want to bore a child with literature, <laughs> may I suggest Chaucer or Shakespeare? Don't bore them with the Bible. Whatever you do. And uh, this, this uh, also is a big deal in our day. Let's stop sticking a smart 
phone in their hands with access to over 4.1 million porn sites. Uh, it is like having a catalog that has 800 pages, only five of them decent. Uh, they don't need that. And then the last one I picked up, the last thing I want to, to do to a child is to be a stumbling block to them and prevent them from coming to Jesus because of what I say or what I do or how I act or how I treat them. There are kids in this world that would have like a heaven on earth if they had some of you as parents who loved them, cared about them, cared to teach them about God. And that's you. I only have one thing as far as the applications. Jesus loves the little children. So should we. So the application is make sure you do whatever is in your power to bring them to Jesus and not hinder them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would help us. I think our church puts a lot of uh, money and physical effort and spiritual effort into our kids with things like Sunday school, Awana, vacation Bible school, parents that teach them each and every day and love them is the way you told them to love them and discipline them in righteousness but with love and who don't weaponize you against their kids. And I thank you for our families. I'm pretty sure this world hates families. They hate traditional roles. They want to take our kids from us and train them, and they can't have them. I pray that you would empower our parents and go before them in this world. And I pray that you would keep them safe, help them to have courage. And it's a big task. So I pray that they would all rely on you. And we would give you thanks in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. <coughs>